What's good, everybody? You are listening to a brand new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, and this is a very special episode because today is your hero's birthday. Yes, it is my birthday. Happy birthday to me, and I am happy that we are doing an episode on my birthday, and on today's episode, we are talking about the anime Promise Neverland. What is up with my co-host, Rebellious D and Trav? How are you fellas doing today? Hey, you know what it is. Uh, our... It's, it's finally your birthday. We can stop talking about it. <laughs> I knew travels. I, I have been, I have been waiting for this moment. I have been talking about it, and I am, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy that we're doing this. I, I actually forgot, which is crazy. Um, and then I talked about it midway through the episode. But yeah, today is my birthday. Today is my birthday. That's right. Well, happy birthday. Okay. There we go. Happy yeah, birthday. We're, uh, Thank we're you. happy for you. You know, of course, another year down. You know, the dreaded 2020 is behind you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy, man. Last year for my birthday, I was in Las Vegas. And uh, this year, uh, I'm not I'm not flying anywhere, but I am going on an adventure. Uh, I'm going to uh, somewhere. I don't know where. Is it a promise I'm Neverland? I'm not going to the promise. Oh, Neverland. okay, just check it. Oh, okay. So you know what? Since since we're doing promise Neverland, let me ask you guys this: Would y'all rather go to the promise Neverland, or okay. would y'all rather get across the tracks before sundown? Uh, give me promise so Neverland. What kind of question? <laughs> I can fight that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just uh, saying. At least Twelve man. years I mean, to think of a way out of that one. Am I even allowed <laughs> to answer this question? <laughs> Yeah, Trav, you got permission, bro. I f- bro, I feel like I'm set, I, like he set me up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you want to know like that? If Trav chose to uh, cross the train tracks, they'd be like, "Hey, how you doing, sir? You're I mean, good. Yeah, to go. yeah, you're good to go." <laughs> Being a slave and shot at ain't that bad. Give me that. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, man. Over here trying to set me up, make me look like an idiot. Come on, bro. Hey, hey I'm, I'm glad that you're smarter than the average bear. Because How are you going to do that to me on your birthday? Because it's his birthday. Because, I mean, it's, it's my birthday. You know what they say, Trav? Like the Beatles said. It's your birthday. No, it's it's my party. I can cry if I want to. And you know Banks going to cry. Oh, no. Not today. It's like JoJo. Well, but yeah, so uh, I, let's hey, go ahead. I, and hold get on, it. bro. What's up? I, I got I got some stuff to share, man. Oh, what's up? Damn, I know it's your birthday, but I got some goodies. What's up? Um, I picked up the Animorphs graphic novel of the first book. Mm-hmm. Okay. Phenomenal. Yeah, I saw you. Holy crap, it's phenomenal. It is fire. So is it um, is it like? A re not a retelling, but it's a graphic novel of the actual Animorph books, right? Yeah, every like this is book one, so every book, the graphic novel is the same thing as the book, but in graphic novel form. Okay, and yeah, it's I know, so good. Um, it's like I like I said, um, you know, I never, I never really got into the books. I did watch. Yeah, the but you at least watched the show. Yeah, and the TV show, it wasn't that good, man. No, it wasn't that good. These visuals are so good, though. I might have to check Especially it out. Especially since you like Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. it's It's got a very Scott Pilgrim art style. Yeah, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, like I wouldn't mind checking it out. I mean, like, I saw the stuff that you shared online, and it, it looks pretty cool. It's just, uh, yeah, 
I just have to pick it up or I, I can probably just come over there and get it from you or maybe the book that you have, you can give it to me as a birthday gift. Nah, this this for the girls, bro. So, but honestly, it literally it, it's a quick read, bro. Okay. You know what I mean? It's, oh, heck it's not yeah! Crazy, but I picked up that. Of course, all my Star Wars High Republic books came mm. in. Um, and then I also finally picked up all the graphic novels for the Star Wars Vader Dark Visions. Nice. So, nice. hey, your boy, your boy picked up some goodies, bro. I know. I, I know that you love to read. Hey, That's so right. you know what it is? I saw Sierra perform at the New Year's Eve, and uh, I had to get some goodies since she didn't perform. I it. heard that. Yeah, I mean, well, she did perform that one song, but yeah, she yeah she didn't perform uh, she didn't any perform of the classics. Wah, 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 wah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you guys ready to get into today's episode? That's right. Hey, who 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 did we bring on, bro? We brought on my good pal who I did the My Hero Academia podcast with, and that is Lum Ranma Yasha. And they are the host of the Manga Mavericks podcast and the Lum Squad podcast. So That's right. Baby. That's right. I know Trav, I know Trav, I know you slid in the DMs. You're damn right. That's right. And, uh, you know, that's what we do up here on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. We love sliding in DMs. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's a yes. Sometimes, sometimes it's a no. It's a no. Sometimes we get left on red. So, sometimes they don't even uh, accept the, the message. <laughs> that's right. But, that true. but, hey, you know what else we love on this podcast? What's that? Our sponsors. And Banks, who is that sponsor, sir? And our sponsor is Golden Ink Tattoo, located at 3109 Airline Boulevard in Portsmouth, Virginia. If you give them a call at 757-465-1010, you can book an appointment with Denise, Kitty, Jay, or Kane. And I'm not talking about the big red machine either. And like Trav says, spelled like Kanye. That's That's right. right. So give them a call. And when you go in there and set up that appointment, if you mention leveling up banks, Trav, what do they get off? They get in 10%. They get in 10%. That's right. Oh, that's right. So get your tattoo at Golden Ink Tattoo and tell them that the boys from leveling up with Benjamin Banks sent you. Right. And with that being said, let's go ahead and give Lum a call and let's get into today's episode. You didn't check out the sub at all when you watched season one? Nah. Because uh, I'm driving, so I can't, um, you know, I don't like to drive and read at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Dangerous. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a little. Hold on, hold on a second, bro. What? Huh? Who watches anime while they're driving, bro? Like, I do. a new anime that they have to pay attention to. Nah, I do. See, that's why... <laughs> that's typical of a JoJo fan. Relax, relax, relax. Mm-mm. I mean, because I like that. Thanks, Trav. I appreciate I'm not that. Gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> insult One Piece tonight. Oh you my know. god, some tension here. No, serious mm-hmm. tension. Serious you have tension. no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, this is going to be very different than the My Hell Academia podcast because both of these guys are negative. Oh, oh, no. oh, oh my god, One Priest versus JoJo stands. So on tonight's episode, we have joining them with us Lum from the Manga Maverick podcast and the Lum Squad podcast. And I met this person on the My Hair Academia podcast. So Lum, thank you for joining us tonight. 
Yeah, thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. And congrats to you guys for, again, two-year anniversary and over 100 episodes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Hey, I got a question for y'all, though. Yeah. What's that? Did y'all see Lum's Garage? No. Um, well, you need to. <laughs> like, where are you going with this, Trav? They where are you a going picture. with this? Mm-hmm. I said they posted a picture of their, uh, not garage. I'm, what's, it's it's basically my basement. basement my basement. former there basement. There we go. All right. Which, I mean, Travis, like, you got to give us more. Yeah, you know, man. You got to give us some <laughs> of that, man. That was, was like, you. do we I, see Lum's garage? So, <laughs> yesterday, I was at my old house to do some cleanup. And part of that cleanup was taking down all my old anime posters that I put up around my basement. And there are a lot of them. They're strewn all about the walls. And it's quite a collection I had amassed and put up on the walls over the years. Nice, Pretty nice, sweet. nice. And well, Otaku's gonna, dream down I'm going to have to head over to Twitter land and see these pictures and these posters and everything because we all love anime here. And yeah. uh, just before uh, we get into talking about today's topic, Promise Neverland, Lum, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. You know, tell everybody about your podcast that you host and everything like that. Let the world know who you are. Yeah. Hi, I'm Lum again. And I host, the, as mentioned, the Manga Matters podcast. We're a podcast dedicated to discussing manga as a medium and an industry. So we recap the latest news going on, licensing news, industry news, publication news, what series are starting and ending, all that. We also review series on the show, doing big retrospectives on classics like Dragon Ball and Saint Seiya, Yu-Gi-Oh! And of course, we uh, conduct interviews with a lot of people who are working in the industry. Jason Thompson, the original editor of the North American Shonen Dome. David Brothers, editor of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And Caleb Cook, translator of My Hero Academia, among many other wonderful guests we've been honored to have on our show over the years. And we're coming up on our fifth anniversary, too. So... It's been quite a rewarding journey. Pretty That's sweet. awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a hell of a resume. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, we're happy to have you up here with us as a guest today. So thank you again, Trav. Thank you for sliding in the DMs. It was, it was crazy because... Lum, yeah, I didn't you, know y'all knew each other. Yeah, Lum, I believe like you had either liked or retweeted something on our Twitter. Yeah, and- your interview with Bo Billingsley, which was fantastic, by the way. I mean, what an amazing you. life he's lived. Yeah. I know. like It was like a life story. It's like, yeah. I felt like I was <laughs> learning something. It, it, it came off, it was, uh, it was four different generations. Well, two different generations, because we're all around the same age, except, you know, Bo's older than us. But yeah, like, it was, it was cool just getting different perspectives from different lives over stuff, and I was honored to have him up here as a guest, and I hope to bring him back on in the future. I'd love to hear it. Thank you, thank you. So, Trav, he had slid in your DMs, and (laughs) he was like, like, he was just like, yeah, I want to bring them on to the podcast, and I was just like, yeah, I know who they are. And he was just like, well, how do you know them? And I was just like, well, we did the My Hair Academia podcast together. It's just like, who doesn't know Benjamin Banks? I know everybody. Like I, <laughs> I get I get asked this question all the time on Facebook. Like if I comment on somebody's picture or if I share something, they're just like, "Well, how do you know this person?" And I'm like, "I'm Benjamin Banks. I know everybody." 
the social media whore that you are. <laughs> hey, 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 watch your talk. How are you going to say that we're PG and then you just drop the W word? Like, chill, bro. There's no such thing as the W word, bro. There is. You just nah. said it. Nah. You just said it. I said you... it already. Okay. All right. Well, with that being said, thank you, Lum, for telling us your origin story and telling everybody who you are. So let's go ahead and get into today's episode, Promise Neverland. So Promise Neverland, the manga debuted August 1st, 2016, and it ended last year, June 15th. It had 20 volumes. And then the anime, which started last year in January, on January 11th, 2019, a couple of weeks before my birthday, um, I didn't watch the anime when it initially dropped. I remember uh, I'm in this group on Facebook called Urban Anime Lounge, and they somebody had posted pictures from the manga in the Facebook group, and the character that they were talking about was Sister Crone. And when I saw how she was drawn, like, she kind of looked like... It, it kind of looked offensive when I saw how she was drawn. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not checking this out. And, like, that's how a lot of the black members of the group were. They were just like, well, why is she drawn like this? Because everybody just felt that with how far we've come as a society, um, when you look at most manga and most animes, it's like the way that African-Americans are drawn in those, they're, they look like us. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't look like characters that were drawn in the 80s. Like if you were to uh, read or watch the original Dragon Ball, like, mm -hmm. those characters, like, they have, like, really huge lip. Like, they look like African caricatures. So when we all saw Sister Crone, we were just like, okay, yeah, we're passing on this. But people were in the group saying, like, y'all should still check it out. It's a good series and everything. And, you know, one thing led to another. And one day last year, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give this anime a chance because I saw a trailer for it. You know how Netflix plays the trailers whenever you finish watching a movie or something. And I watched the first episode and I was hooked. I was just like, wow, like this thing is incredible. So uh, starting with you, Lum, how were you introduced to this anime or the manga? Which one did you come across first? I started with the manga from the very first chapter. I was subscribed to Shonen Jump. So when Promise Era started up, like I read the first chapter, hooked from the first chapter. It was such a great conference and so unique for Jump to have just this psychological thriller kind of story at as it was at the start. And yeah, I just had followed it from very beginning of the manga to the very end last year. So it was quite a ride over the four years it was running. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you could probably revisit my initial thoughts on it on the manga episode where he covered the first chapter way back those many years ago. But yeah, it's a really fun ride. And of course, I watched the anime when it came out, too, and when the dub was on Tanami. And I enjoyed that. And I enjoyed rewatching it and prep for this podcast, too. Like, man, that, that anime adaptation is just so well made. I was impressed yeah. all over again. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And uh, before I move to you, Trav, to ask you a question, I wanted to ask you this, Lum. You mentioned that it's been around for four years. It wrapped up pretty quick. How do you feel about series that have short endings? You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they're not ongoing series. You know, it's kind of like Demon Slayer, for example. Demon Slayer mm -hmm. ended last year, I believe. Like, do you think that, uh, like, series, do you think that they should go on as long as, you know, overrated animes like One Piece? Or 
Um, do you think that they should wrap up? Hold on, D. Let them ask. Let them ask the question. Let them ask the question. Well, I am always happy when an artist and writer are able to tell their story the way they want to, whatever length that turns out to be. And I feel that was the case with The Promised Neverland. I do think there are parts in the story where it seemed like there were things the writer wanted to include that because of pacing time reasons, they might have not been able to, which is why I think some of the bonus chapters that have come out since the manga ended have been ways for them to kind of add some of that stuff that they originally want to do back in. And I've heard that, you know, Kai Shirai, the writer, is working on the strips for this new season of the anime. So maybe they're also going to try and integrate some ideas that they had left on the cutting room floor into the new season. But overall, I think that they told the story they wanted to tell and the time that they wanted to tell it. And I think that's satisfying. I don't think it's a good idea to extend the story past the expiration date or past what the author had envisioned unless they had an idea to continue it. If they've come to an appropriate stopping point, the place they want to end it, I think it's best to let them end it. Nice. Nice. Nice answer. Thank you. I appreciate that. Trav, moving to you, how were you introduced to it? Uh, Yeah. I mean, once an anime, once a manga gets an anime adaption and it blows up, Pretty much when you're in that anime circle, dude, like, you're going to hear about it, regardless of if you want to check it out or not. You know, guys like me and D constantly have to get bombarded with JoJo stuff, even though uh, we don't like it. And that's a shot because uh, you said you weren't going to take a shot at One Piece, and you did. So I mean, uh, well, you took a shot at JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That, that was before we were on the air, sir. I mean, but you started it. I mean... You started hey, it, I finished it. And I it. just finished it, baby. Oh, no. What up? No, no, no. So, yeah. Um, yeah. First of all, just the... I don't know how the manga animation st- style is versus the anime. But, uh, dude, the drawing style of it... Like, that's what drew me into Death Note originally, was just seeing how it was depicted. And I was like, yeah, I gotta check that out. And it was the same thing for Promise Never- Neverland. Like... I seen it and I was like, yeah, this looks fire. And yeah. like you, <laughs> I saw that first episode and binged it. Yes. Now, let me ask you something real quick because you said that you're a fan of the drawing style. The same studio that did Promise Neverland, they also did Fairy Tale. And I know that you're a huge Fairy Tale fan. So would you say that that was the reason why you were drawn to the anime drawing style? Well, they did the last season of Fairy Tale. They didn't do all of Fairy Tale. So I'm oh. not. I'm not that far in fairy tale, so I'm not sure where it goes. But they did do the Persona Five anime, which yeah. uh, is fabulous as well. So yeah, you'd need to check it out since you're playing the game now, yep. and uh, highly recommend the anime too, bro. Thank you, thank you. ID, round us out. Let them know. Let them know, D. Hey, don't say anything about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> All right, so. I was introduced to it by a uh, a good uh, lifelong friend named uh, Benjamin Banks. He oh, put me on, yeah, yeah, man. He put me on to it, and uh, I just jumped on it. And just it it reminds me a lot of a uh, creature feature horror movie, so it's very easy to watch to me. And it's uh, very suspenseful and um, cat and mouse, literally. Very easy to get into. Very easy. So 
Mm-hmm. I agree with you on it. I, you know, I appreciate you taking my advice and checking it out. Like, and also just to let you know, I just started watching the anime that you have recommended to me. Uh, it's Violet. At Violet. Garden. Violet. Oh, Garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm That's on. That's fire too. I'm yep, on the fine. second. I'm on the second episode right now. Um, I because you know most of the time when an episode ends on Netflix. Um, there aren't any credits. I mean, like the credits played, it just goes straight to the next episode. Whereas with mm-hmm. this, it's like the ep- like it feels like there are no credits at all. Like the mm-hmm. the show just keeps on going, and I'm just like, well, mm-hmm. when is it gonna wrap up? So yeah, I'm two episodes in right now. So I just want to say thanks everybody for you know saying how y'all found out about the anime and any- everything like that. Trav, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask before we moved on? So Lum, no, I was wondering how you came up with your uh, your. I guess it's your social media uh, tag. What do they call that? And you handle handle yeah, handle. Yeah. 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 My handle comes from the protagonist names of three of Yurumiko Takahashi's major series. You're Siatsa, Ron Mahat, and Inuyasha. I'm a huge fan of Rumiko Takahashi's works. And so when the time came for me to create a Twitter account and think of a handle, I was like, Hey, I'll just, combine the names of these characters I love from these series I love. Yeah, see, now I didn't watch Ranma or, you know, read the manga, but I do know what it is. I never watched any of the Lum stuff, but I was a huge fan of Inuyasha. Like, we all watched it in middle school back in the day, and now you have the sequel series, Yashahimi, which just came out last year. I want to say it was October last year that it came yeah. out. And for the most part, I think that it's it's okay. Um, I think that the intro and the outro song, I think that they're both fire. Yeah. I love the new characters. I just feel like that the show is kind of missing something. I don't know what it is, but I feel like once it finds what it needs, I think that the series will be good. How do you feel about it? Have you watched it? Yeah, I've watched it, and I would agree with you. I really like the characters, particularly Moroha. I think she's a lot of fun. And, you know, I am a big fan of the Shomaru. So when I found out the show was going to be about his kids in particular, I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I like that, you know, it's an all-female trio, too, which is rare for, like, a shonen action show. But I will agree with you. I feel like the plot is a little meandering. The characters don't feel like they have much of a drive to go on their quests and adventures. They work their ways through, like, the generals of the big bad, kind of through the happenstance of encountering them, not really through, like, coordinated effort. Like, yeah, we got to take these guys out. They just happen to be like, hey, you know, we're hunting bounties for demons. Uh, I guess we've run into this guy. I guess we'll take them out now. So, you know, they're not really interested in any deeper mysteries of, like, what happened to their parents or what happened in their past. They want to get back. Uh, sets in his memories but they aren't really working very aggressively towards that they're just very lax about everything so it's it feels like the show just doesn't have much drive to it and i think that's what's disappointing yeah well it's better than boruto and we know this Um, well i don't know i feel like boruto as particularly the manga as it is now has better uh, drive in terms of like character motivations and i think that it's done some interesting things with character arcs, uh, particularly with Kawaki, who is a character they introduced, you know, who is a new character. I think exactly. he's been interesting. I think the Kawaki 
Naruto relationship, like mentor-student relationship. I think that's been pretty compelling. So, I don't know. I think Boruto manga-wise is shaping up pretty interesting. I think the anime has a problem. Like, it meanders sometimes because they, you know, they can't do, like, the manga Kara plot stuff because manga is monthly and then the anime is weekly, so they invent their own original stories. But, you know, I think Boruto doing fine. I enjoy it. I'm 90 episodes into it, and I ain't impressed yet, so. Yeah. I watch it because I'm obliged to watch it, to be quite frank. (laughs) See, see, Lum, I just finished watching Ship It In last year. Yeah, But not really. You should be skipping. I I skipped all the filler. you be skipping. I skipped all the filler. Like, thank God. There's no filler. Thank God I did not have, like, it was like when I was watching it, I was just like, man, I felt bad for everybody that watched it when it was on TV <laughs> because the filler, like I did, I did check out some of the filler and it was horrible. Like I was just like, how could y'all sit through this? So a lot of it is. There are some good filler arcs. Like the power arc is really interesting. It's like a reimagining of the Shinobi War in just a different context. And it's only six episodes, but the direction animation in it is really stellar and has this somber, dark tone that is really interesting. Like, that is, like, a standout filler arc. But, like, the rest of it is just... It interrupts the the show and the pacing of the show, especially, like, when they get into the stretch when they're just fighting uh, Obito and Madara, and that's, like, 100 episodes, and they're just fighting yeah. them. It's, like, you get in that fight interrupted by... Like Say weeks it. upon weeks of filler arcs. The worst is when the infinite Tsukiyomi happens, and then we have you know we get all these like stories of like characters having their dream worlds and in infinite Tsukiyomi for like a couple characters. We get Tenten, Kadin, and I think Killer B, and then we get to Sanadi, and Sanadi's is just her reading Jiraiya's novel, and it's that's just right. this reimagining of the plot of Naruto, and that's twenty episodes. Yeah. What? I- I when remember, you do something, uh, you give it your all. It was it was one it was one filler episode that I was watching when they were fighting. I, I, it was either Obito or Madara, and it was Karama just talking about uh, Naruto's growth from the beginning. And I'm just like, I mean, I already know, I've already seen it. Like, I don't need to see his growth again. And then they always show the swing. It's just like I don't, I've right. seen this swing so many times. <laughs> like, exactly. I don't and need to get... keep seeing the swing. Ah, you need to see so that swing. Flashbacks. Swing gonna get you. So many flashbacks and stuff that is irrelevant to what's going on right now. But yeah, so let's go ahead and get into Promise Neverland since we got all the introductions and everything out of the way. So the series it takes place in the year 2045. It's about a group of orphans, 37 of them, that stay at the Grassfield House. And they are being watched over by Mother Isabella. So, mother. oh, what were you about to say, Trev? Mother. Mother. Mm-hmm. Mom. That's right. Or should I should I say it like uh, the baby said it in Son of the Mask? Mother. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah. So we have these orphans, and the three main characters are Emma, Norman, and Ray. And Emma, she is the what I say, like, she's the leader of the group. Um, She loves Mother the most. And how the story starts is Connie, she's getting adopted, and she ends up leaving her stuffed animal at the field house. So Norman and Emma, they go to take Connie, her stuffed, I believe it was a stuffed rabbit, stuffed bunny. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so they go to they go to the gate, which they're not allowed to go to, and when they get there, they see that Connie's dead body is inside of a back of a truck. And then we see these grotesque monsters that are demons, and we see their mother is talking to the demons, and one of the demons smells human. And it's just like, ah, I smell something real good right now. And <laughs> Emma and Norman, they end up escaping, and Ray is sitting there waiting for them. And uh, that's pretty much how this, the first episode is. And I remember like watching this episode, and I was just like, man, it's like, I need to continue watching. It's just like how we were talking about in our Cobra Kai episode last week. Um, this is something that was, it's just like, I need to binge. And also too, I forgot as well that um, when this episode drops, it's going to be dropping on my birthday. I forgot about oh, that. Like, how, how, could I, how, how could I forget about this? It's because we're recording tonight. Yes, I forgot. Of, my, of course, how could you forget? You bring it birth, up every damn time we talk. My When, when we do this episode when promise neverland episode comes out it'll be my 32nd birthday so i want to just go ahead and say uh it's gonna be my birthday and i'd appreciate it if all of you say happy birthday to me happy birthday thank you Uh, uh, i don't (laughs) think captain luffy will let me do that so why no luffy would totally (laughs) celebrate someone's birthday you're about to get treated like usopp right now you kicked off the damn boat you're gonna have to become a sniper king Uh i I need to just go ahead and kick them off the ship now this is what i have to deal with this is what i have to deal with happy birthday this dude's been talking about his damn birthday since november because you know why you know why because when i looked at the calendar i was just like oh wow an episode is gonna fall on my birthday so yeah this is the birthday episode of leveling up with benjamin banks and it's my podcast and it airs on my birthday so yeah so this is the birthday episode and it's a promised birthday land that's what this episode is gonna be called promised birthday land oh, why y'all uh just um <laughs> <laughs> trash. So, but uh, but yeah. So, the first episode we're introduced to the demons and whatnot. So, uh, Trav, I know that you said earlier that you got hooked. You binged it after that. Lum, how did you feel when you watched the first episode of this series and you saw that ending? Like, were you hooked after you finished watching it? Well, I started with the manga, but that same moment, yes, it was a very good hook in the first chapter of the manga, too. And it's like, okay, wow, like, this is a really dark uh, situation for these kids. And yeah, how are they going to get out with the, you know, mom that has been taking care of them all this time, who, you know, they thought was a loving caretaker, but instead, they've just been found out that you know, she's just been raising them as cattle, and that's a huge source of betrayal. Yeah. Uh, and she's also incredibly cunning and smart. And so they have to, how will they outwit her to get away from this? How will they save their friends, their family? And how are they going to survive in a world full of demons? Like, it leaves you at the end of that first chapter and episode with just so many great hooks yep. to see, like, how these kids are going to escape and survive. D. Oh, yeah, man. It's, I thought it was a, a wonderful way to open up. And as Lum said, uh, just the, the, the thought of reading it instead of watching it, I think it's one of those more intriguing things. 
Like, it, that would instantly hook me if I was reading the manga opposed to watching the anime. Um, I thought it was a wonderful first uh, pilot episode and a great way to draw viewers in. There's no way you watch that and you're like, oh, I'm good. You know, there's no way. So, Brian? I said it already. You know, I just want to see if you wa- I just want to see if you want to add anything else on it so I didn't leave you hanging. Hey, you know your boy watched it and binged it. Took me two days, bro. Knocked them all out. Yeah, I, I'll say, yeah, it took me about two days, too, to finish watching the series. Uh, well, not the whole series, but just season one. Um, I got Zoe they, watching it. She's watching it now. Boy, I, mean, I bet she's terrified, isn't she? Yeah, that's she why I was like, the same age as them. She say, is, bro. You should see her under the covers. Like, Oh, man. Yeah, that's Those what, demons, that's what bro. Like, oh. like, Zoe, she's nine years old. And I was, I was like, is that is that a suitable anime for her to watch? Oh, of course. Would you let her watch it's, Death yeah. Note? Of course, she, of course, she's already seen it. Okay. Mm. Right. Would you Would you let her watch uh, Attack on Titan? Uh, she watched it. She was like, "Eh." Yeah, that was kind of. I don't really think kids would get into that. Not at that age. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to say yeah, that yeah, it, really it The story like, wasn't enough. Yeah. For her to, exactly. Uh, what about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure? <laughs> She gave it a hot <laughs> thumbs down, bro. Hot thumbs down. Oh it's like child, dude, you know she it? said, hey, she said, can you put back on my hero, please? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So now that the kids know what's going on and that they're being uh, harvested as food for the demons now, uh, they, they discover that the smarter that they are, the more tasty that they'll be for the demons. Now, this conversation that I was having with Dee, where it's like pretty much the kids are looked at as food on a farm, like uh, like chickens, cows, pigs, stuff like that. And they live in a world where the demons are the people. And it's crazy because, you know, on social media, you'll see these ads where it's like you might have some sort of animal in a restaurant or something, and it's like they're eating a human or something like that. And that's kind of what I get with this series, where it's like the demons are the rulers of the world, and they are eating the children. Um, do you do y'all think that uh, that they eat any of the adults as well, or do you think that they just kill the adults? I'll start with you, Lum. I think that is implied, uh, just restricting it to the first season, especially with, you know, what happens with Sister Crone. Like, I think the implication is that any humans they kill, they do eat, but children are the tastiest. So they usually kill them off at age 12 once their brain reaches a certain level of maturity and intelligence. D? Yeah. Uh, you heard Lum. He he summed it up. I mean, you saw what happened to Sister Sister Crona. Uh, she uh, got taken out, brother. You know, so yeah. they were gonna eat her. Trav, it's it's the same answer. It's like I mean, I just want to know if you're gonna say anything different. It's like it's like look, just say no comment, no comment. Or, or I hit you with I that Marshawn sp- Lynch. You know what I'm saying? I'm just... only here so I don't get fined. <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like when Sister Crona died, it's crazy because it's like when we're introduced to her, she's brought in as an assistant because mother, she needs help 
because she knows that some of the kids know, like she already knows that Emma and Norman left the compound and that they have tracking devices inside of them. And she, she just wants to see like, well, what's going to happen first? Like, are they going to reveal themselves? Are they going to try to escape or can we keep them here long enough? So that way we can give them to the demons. So that way that the demons can eat them. Uh, Norman is the most intelligent uh, kid at the compound and um, he gets the highest test scores and whatnot and his biggest rival is Ray who eventually we find out that Ray is a traitor he's working did that catch you off guard it did catch me off guard because it was something that I wasn't expecting Uh, you know Emma and Norman they didn't know which which, uh, orphan there was a traitor they had a feeling but they wanted to see and so they eventually invited Don and Gilda into their little faction because it's like they assumed that something was going on. When I first saw Gilda, I thought that Gilda was going to be the one that was going to be the traitor. And when mm-hmm. we saw that Ray was the traitor, I was shocked. And that's one of the things that I love about this series. I always love when a series can shock you or something and catch you off guard. D, how did you feel when it was revealed that Ray was the traitor to the group? Uh, I, I had my suspicions kind of because of, he was too, way too laid back about everything. And, uh, Don, my man, Don was obviously innocent because he was pretty just, you know, he he just seemed like a brute almost in a way, like the, the powerhouse guy, lower intelligence. And then Gilda, it would have had to been Ray or Gilda. It had to be one of the two. Oh, just something about Trav. I, I just I just also noticed too that we're all wearing glasses too. I just noticed that. <laughs> glasses gang. Yeah, glasses gang in the house. Hey. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a level with you, bro. I already knew. And Norman knew, mm. which is mm. why he planted the traps for everybody. He was like, I'm 99% sure it's Ray, but yeah. just in case, this is how I'm gonna catch him. Mm-hmm. I've seen way too many. Yeah, right. Way too many different shows. I knew that it was gonna be. Yeah, right. I was like, dude, it has to be either. He was way too relaxed. But about let me everything. tell you, <laughs> Zoe's face when she found out it was Ray, the, the, the look of betrayal on her face. <laughs> I honestly enjoy watching her reactions more than the show. To be honest, oh, I bet, I bet. Just like, just like how she reacted when Pikachu spoke his first words. Oh, that had me in tears. I, what is it? Then she, then you say she was like, "Holy!" She cow. said, "Holy cow!" <laughs> oh <my> gosh, <laughs> she was blown away. Oh yeah, Yo, I, I think we all were because I remember when somebody, somebody had posted a video online, and when Pikachu started talking, I was just like, "Are you for real?" Like <laughs> Pikachu can talk, and that's probably my favorite Pokemon movie. It was all right, dude. It was so good. Such a awesome. retelling. Oh my god! Yeah, so I thought so it was good. a really nice retelling. Yeah, I appreciated that it was also like intergenerational. Like they took care to have characters of uh, Pokemon from like you know fourth generation, seventh generation. Like they had it like um, stuff that was current, stuff that was ten yeah, years ago, stuff that in. was twenty years ago. So yeah. I thought that was really clever. <clears throat> uh, Lum, same question for you. How did you feel when? Ray was revealed as the traitor with the faction. Yeah, I thought that was a really great reveal. I think one of my favorite things in rewatching Promise Everland is just paying attention to Ray as a character because they do signal 
the twist pretty yeah. you know heavily but you know it's if you're watching it through first time reading it's your first time you're maybe not picking up on it but like just you know paying attention to when ray is coming in how he's reacting to emma and norman discussing plans and then wh when he is voicing his own input in opposition to their plans and dropping bits of information to them just all the way up until the reveal of like that he's known all along and he's been working for mom for the past couple of years. Like it's really well done. I think Ray is one of the most interesting and compelling characters in this season of the promised Everland for sure. Yeah. It was very M night ish. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I go back to, you know, what D was saying earlier about how it's a game of cat and mouse and that's something that we saw throughout the entire thing. Like that scene where I'm, you know, it's one of the scenes that everybody saw online, just the image still of mom hunched over looking down at Emma and like how creepy it looked. And mm -hmm. it's like, I laugh because we see the same image for the live action movie. <laughs> and, and, and you were saying? And mom, it, it's like, Emma is a grown woman in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's oh, like, no. It's like hey. mom is, mom's looking up at her. I'm just like, it doesn't even look intimidating or scary at Yo, all. Yo, look, yeah. normally, normally you don't trash stuff, right? But you was trashing it, and they was coming at you for trashing it. No. And they weren't coming at me. They were only coming at me at the fact that because they couldn't get a, a black actress to play Sister Crona, which... No, they, were, they, they were coming at you for you talking about the size of the woman. Yeah. I, I, I saw nobody came at me for that. Everybody was laughing. Oh, hell what? no. I saw I saw some people upset with you, bro. I think you, it, 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 was probably just, it. it was probably just one person that was just like, well, it's just a movie. It's not that serious. But it's just like, these are, they're supposed to be kids. They're kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, part of the danger, part of what makes the series so intense is that the these are kids. They're extremely yeah. vulnerable. They're competing against adults and demons. You lose a little of that when they are also clearly, you know, older teenagers slash young adults, as in this case of this new live action movie. Yeah. Like, it, you just feel like they're a little less vulnerable and they're a little more capable in a way that robs some of the intensity and direness in the situation. Yeah. It's I agree. Crazy. It's also crazy that uh, the actress that plays Emma, she's 25 years old playing a 17-year-old. And I'm just like... <laughs> uh, hold, on, hold on. They they even bumped up their age in the live action, like, at, on purpose? They're seven, yeah, because the the actors and actresses that, that portray them are older. I, I can't remember the reason why they said that they bumped up their age. I, I think that they said that uh, they wanted to get a better feel for having like adults play, it, it was some dumb reason. Look, mm -hmm. I'm gonna watch the movie. Yeah. I'm oh, gonna watch Lord. the movie. It's like I don't oh, think that it's gonna be a good movie at all. It can't be yeah. any worse than Bleach. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds to me like they didn't trust child actors to be able to play no. the, these parts, which they should have. They, they shouldn't trust their adult actors. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's just crazy, but. You know, like I was just saying about like the whole game of cat and mouse where it's like now that the kids know that um, that they're being harvested and whatnot, it's like 
it's up to Emma and Norman to show and help the other kids so that way that they can all try to escape this farm um, so that way that they can live. And they end up finding out that they do have some help from the outside by a gentleman named Mr. Minerva, who it's like when he leaves books, where he drops off books to the farm, it's like there's uh, decoded messages in these books. And like that's how they escape the farm. Now, Mr. Minerva, he is somebody, he kind of reminds me of Racer X, who is just there to help. I can't wait until um, we finally see what he looks like. I, Lum, I know that you know because you read the manga, but um, I think with this, I'm just going to stick with the anime. And uh, if I do get bored, I mean, it's not like My Hero Academia where it was like I was having My Hero Academia withdrawals and I needed to, <laughs> I needed to, because Trav can tell you, like, there was a point in time where it's like all I was posting on Facebook was My Hero Academia stuff, <laughs> like, every day. It um, was sad. It wasn't sad because I love I love oh, My Hero is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, this was an addiction. This was this became I, a problem. I, I was yeah, I was addicted. I it's like I, I've I've calmed down now, but uh it's like yeah, like when I started reading the manga, it was right at the the um overhaul arc. So I was hyped. I was hyped for it. But um so like I just wanted to ask, how did you guys feel about the whole overall like cat and mouse feel to you know, now Norman and Emma having to train all of these kids. Like, if, Trav, starting with you, if you were in that position, do you think that you would be able and capable to train 36 other children to escape this farm? Honestly, I don't think it matters if you're capable or not. These are your brothers and sisters. Absolutely. This is all you know. This is family. So you got no choice, you know, but yeah. to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's, that they would listen to you? Would you would you be on some Mandalorian type uh, stuff? Like this is the way, and they are baby Yodas. That's right. <laughs> it's the way. Lum, how about you? <clears throat> Man, I don't know if I'm capable, but I agree with Trav. They're family. You got to do your best to help them survive and escape the situation. So just like Emma and Norman, I would also try my best to help them. And yeah, it is an interesting game you have to play of like how much you let them know and when to tell them the truth, which is an early point of conflict in the series is that they don't tell Don and Gilda the truth. They lie to him and say, oh, Connie was taken away by bad people and she still might be alive in there. They don't tell her, tell them about demons and that she's already dead. And then when they find out, like, Don is livid, he he punches yeah. Norman and Ray straight in the face. And, you know, it's just feeling really betrayed that they wouldn't trust them with that information. But from that experience, you know, Emma realized, hey, you know, our family, like, we, they are more stronger than we think. They are braver than we think we got to tell them the truth and she does do that with the rest of the kids from there on out so you know i think it's a tough situation to be in especially you know because they're looking out for the younger members of their family but i think it's a good message about putting trust in other people and that they and believing in them to be capable and brave and you know able to accomplish this, you know, what seems like a 
arduous, daunting task together through collective effort, it can be accomplished. Yeah, hey guys, I, I'm just letting y'all know right now, I probably would have went more of a children of the corn uh, approach <laughs> to this. Oh, yeah. I'd have probably went straight up there. Hey, uh, you with me? Don, he's clearly the strongest one there. He's with me. That's the muscle. And, uh, hey, I'm just saying, uh, I'd have tried to take her out. I'm just saying. I mean, it is family. I'm not going to say I'd be able to outwit her and all that normal stuff, but I'll wait for her in the hallway, you know? Uh, so you would be right. Yeah, yeah, hey. Yeah, no, hey, mother, I need saying. you soapy water in the floor. You know, it's like 15 <laughs> kids jump on you. What you going to do? And then I mean, you know? Now, see, now that's something that we really didn't get to see a lot of in season one was mother's abilities. Now, we did get to see what she could do in flashbacks, which right. is something that I love that they did for her and Sister Frona. <laughs> um, you know, uh. it, it was, before, before I w talk about mother, but like, when they showed Sister Crona's upbringing and Bro, I want to talk about it, dude. And yeah, showed, I want to talk about it. It showed her. It showed her backstory and how it was like you know it was her goal to become a mother. Um, and then she thought that she was doing everything right, but then Grandma and and Isabella, they were in on it the whole time. They knew that Sister Crona was you know betraying them and whatnot, and they later have her killed. How did y'all feel? When we see her backstory, we see her upbringing, and then she gets killed. Starting with you, D, how did you feel? Like, did you feel bad for her when she got killed, or do you think that it was um, her? Yeah, well, with Sister Crona, I think it's very interesting. Now, to become a sister or start that process, you have to be a mother, correct? No. Yeah, you have to give. No, you have to give birth. You have to give birth. It, yeah. Okay, so now, how old is Sister Crona, gentlemen? I in think she's story? in her 20s. Yeah, she ha now, she's now, in her 20s. She's a little younger than Isabella, who is in her early 30s. Yes. Okay, so do you think it's a possibility that we will see a, her child down the no, line? No, don't ask. Store? Don't ask that, because Lum, no. <laughs> oh. Lum, I'm uh, about season one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, hey, that's a good question, though. Along. It's, it's yeah, something it's to be out question. there to think about. Yeah, exactly. Do you think we'll see her child later in the line, or you think they'll join the ranks? Uh, it's, a, it's a possibility, because, mm -hmm. I mean, we eventually find out that Ray is Isabella's son. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, that was a huge shocker when that yeah, happened. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Because that Ray... Was when Ray was singing the song, and yeah. then you find out, because this is where I wanted to get at when we were talking about Mother's backstory, and, you know, how she was in love with somebody, and then they right. ended up getting adopted, and the boy that she was in love with, he always used to sing the song to her. And then mm -hmm. they have this program, like what you were saying, D, where it's like you have to be the best of the best. And yeah, yep. they recruit you, they train you, and they impregnate you. And that's one thing that I, I would like to think about as well. Like, how are they impregnating this, these women? You know what I'm saying? Like, are they allowing the... Are they yeah. allowing the... Huh? It, what? It, it would, it's just like uh, when, like, a male can't have kids. Yeah. And they got to get... Artificial insemination. That's what it is. Artificial yeah. insemination. Okay. It's the, okay. they're not having sex, dude. If this is where you're going with this. <laughs> well, I was either thinking sex or what is it when um the guys go to the, yeah the turkey baster. That's what I thought that they were yeah. doing. Okay, so um, 
but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, D, I do think that Sister Crona has a child out there, and I do believe that that child is going to get revenge somehow if uh, that's going to happen, or if the child is possible to get revenge. Okay. Trav, what do you think? Bro, first off, Sister Crone th- threw me through a loop. When she played tag, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she, she was marketed. Yo. Yeah, and I, I want to I want to mention <laughs> real quick. Um, I love the uh, the way they compare the speed and strength of an adult to them being just children. I think that it adds a very uh, nice dynamic to the show. Like it's yeah. almost creepy, but it's how it would right. actually be if they were being chased. It was and kinda, overpowering. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it kind of gives you the feel that they've been playing this for 20 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus yeah. Yeah. just mm-hmm. some random adult playing tag. Like, mm-hmm. she knows how to play tag. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yep. So, um, and that was another scene, you know, over the rock. When she came over the rock and was looking uh-huh. at Emma. They always do, um, and you know, me and D are both super into horror. But the... The film score to Insidious by Joseph Bashara. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of like creepy noises where they come in and swoop and they pan. They yeah, did mm-hmm. that. They did that so well in this score, dude, with those moments where like the music would build up and just stop real quick. And yep. it catch you off guard, bro. Yeah. And like, I agree, like you were saying, she looks creepy. Her mm-hmm. and, you know, <laughs> Isabella. Yeah. Well see, well, see, that's the thing, man. And the anime, while she does look creepy, and the manga, it's like she look, she look creepy as hell. Right. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's like I'm saying, like, if, I want to see that picture. I'll send it to you, but it's just like if you see what she looks like in the manga, like it, like it, it could offend some people. You know what right. I'm saying? And like that's the reason why I was saying early on, where it's like when we first saw these images, we was just like, well, why is she drawing? Okay, like so that? like a Podcraft mm-hmm. country, what are they called? The little girl. Yeah, um, Bop, Biggity Bobbity, Bop, right? Yeah, Something but like it, that. it played tribute to a real thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what you mean by offensive, where it's yeah. like, but okay, they, some people they was just like, it's not that bad. Which I mean, I everybody has their opinions, but it's right, just like right, either, right. either you're gonna read it or you're gonna watch it. But like I said, I feel like that the anime did a, a better job at animating her and making her less offensive how, like how she was drawn in the in the manga and i mean i mean that happens sometimes you know right, what i'm saying right, i right. mean people people still complain about characters from dragon ball and dragon ball z and it's just like you got to understand those were the 80s you know what i'm saying it's just like it i was, can get the mr popo stuff though but mr popo's I mean? not mr popo's not black we've already I get it we've I already get confirmed it, that but I, I i will say that you know that they took a, a huge leap because now in dragon ball super uh, you have black characters that right, don't right, right. look like how they looked in the original series. So um, nobody yeah. does it better than Naruto, though. Hey, oh, I don't know, man. Tozen from Bleach was pretty—he's pretty well drawn. Yeah, yeah, His ending was whack, but he was a good character. <laughs> just he, like he just good. like Bleach in general. I mean, they, <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they just can't made seem to somehow wrap decisions. it up real good. So, oh my God. For be more from uh, Tiger and Bunny. Like he was drawn yeah, pretty well. Yeah. yeah. So, Ogun I mean, and Fire Force is really yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, so, since we're on, since we stopped here, guys. Okay, with the drawing, what do you think about uh, Homeboy zero zero seven or eight from uh zero zero nine back in the day? What did you think of his drawing? And that was pretty old. Down, 
originally because we had brought this, uh, we discussed this in uh, Roshi's Island, like way right, yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, I remember day, that. Where mm-hmm. it's like uh, Cyborg, not I, I believe Is it was it eight. I think it's six, either six okay. or seven. I, I mean, I can't okay. remember. But originally, how he was drawn, he was drawn like uh, an African caricature back from the fifties or sixties, mm. and as time moved on, they, they drew him better. Like, he looks nothing like how he looked in the original Cyborg 009 uh, anime or manga, which is okay. it's cool. Uh, Trevor, are you okay. looking it up right now? Yeah, how'd you know? Because mm-hmm. I, I just saw but is it. Cyborg, <laughs> is, it, is it Cyborg 007? I didn't get that far. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate you. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. Cyborg Series or Eight is the uh, African American. Okay, so I was right. And yeah, I think modern interpretations—they've really improved because design moved away from uh, the problematic stereotypes that informed okay. it before. Yeah, because he kind of looked like Cisco. So well, yeah. we've talked about this even in American cartoons. All black kids look the same in the nineties. They either have the high top fade, oh, or they had they yeah. had the little dreads, and that was yep. it. Those were the two you were getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yep. thank God for progression because oh yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, like that was remember that was one of the things that we had talked about with Bo was right, about yeah, yeah. Like, you know representation in anime yep. and how characters they started to actually like look like us and not like these caricatures of you know right that black people don't look like like nobody well, black the, look like that you know. Here's but. the thing, you know, it's an issue <laughs> when black people have to adopt characters as being black the piccolo the skeeter from doug yeah um even mm-hmm. jet black from uh cowboy from cowboy like you know he's not black but he's honorary black you know what i mean mm-hmm. so it's like it's bad when you have to adapt characters as being black but they're not really because you mm-hmm. got nothing yeah yeah I forgot. I forgot what we was talking I about. I forgot where you were. Sister Crona. We were on it. Snowball. Yeah, Sister Crona. And I. Yeah. I, 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 oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you. Oh, uh, I, I I'm glad I, somebody's paying attention. <laughs> I, I agree. I do think I appreciate that they toned down Crona's design from the manga and the anime. They kind of uh, softened up on some of the features that were kind of exaggerated to kind of a problematic degree in the manga. On the flip, though, I feel like they changed her characterization in a way that I wasn't super on board with. In the manga, Sister Krona is presented more calculating and cunning. She has more internal monologues where she's thinking over the situation she's in and how other characters are reacting. In the anime, they got rid of characters' internal monologues, so instead they have Sister Krona just talking about everything that's on her mind and to the doll. schemes. Yeah, and they added the doll. The doll is not in the manga. Okay. So they gave her this doll to talk to, and the effect of that is that it presents Krona as kind of more off-kilter, that she is kind of a little unstable and maybe a bit insane in a way that I think betrays that fact that she's actually very intelligent, much like Isabella. She has had to really fight her way to survive in this system. And she is also trying to outwit and outmaneuver everyone else in the situation to survive. And she's very in control of herself in a way that I feel like the anime betrays. And I think that also extends to her death scene 
in the manga, she kind of goes out with dignity and acceptance. Whereas in the anime, you see her like running around screaming, being chased by the demons. That's not in the manga. In the manga, we have like a very yeah. poetic, beautiful panel of like her smiling, like knowing what's going to happen, because kind of accepting what her life is and like wishing the best for the kids to, you know, fight on in her stead. And then, you know, we don't see her being killed. We just see her smiling while the demon approaches and that's it. Uh, in the anime, they kind of change that to make her dead feel like she struggles one last time and kind of fear wow. and uh, losing control of that situation <laughs> that I felt was kind of at the surface to how she was originally presented. So I think that's probably my biggest complaint about the anime is how they handled her character in adaptation. Mm. So now in the manga, how you were saying, like, you know, she had a bunch of, you know, monologues inside of her head that we could see. Um, was she still as crazy when she was having these monologues? And do you think that that was the reason why they added the doll? So that way that it would make her seem a lot more crazier? It's no, not even she just wasn't the doll. really crazy. Like she, in the anime, they add her going through like these over the top gestures, like when she's like talking to the doll or even like confronting the kids. Uh, she doesn't really do that in the manga. She has more composed poses. Sometimes she acts a little theatrical to the kids, but in private, no, she's just like kind of thinking to herself much like the kids or Isabella would when they're mulling over a situation and considering like what their next plan of action is. Like she, she isn't, again, she's like more uh, in control of herself and more like she downplays kind of like uh, how much she knows and like her her personality and stuff like that in the manga. See, for my thought process, you saying that <laughs> is maybe them going into it is she's doing these theatrics, the spinning, the weird back matrix stuff that she, she be doing for the kids to make them think mm -hmm. that she's one thing, but really she's this. And I could see that kind of being the, even for, I mean, we don't know at this point that her and Isabella grew up together. Oh, they didn't. Uh, I think because Isabella is older than her. So. But they know each other. No, uh, they, no, they don't know each other. They, yeah. Rona knows Isabella. Oh, okay. I thought Isabella requested her specifically. No, she, she just requested help. Okay. Yeah. yeah, she just requested help, but in uh, in the foundation of things. Isabella, like she is a top ranking mother. And like mm. that's why Krona <clears throat> yeah. was giving her all of that praise when she came because right. she thought that by working with Isabella that that would help her get through the ranks. But it's like they had been playing Krona since the beginning. You know what I'm right. saying? Like when they when she got sent there, it's they like knew. I'm assuming I'm assuming that grand grandmother, she already knew that, you know, Krona was unstable and whatnot and they just had to figure out a way to get rid of her. Okay, yeah. so that leads me to another question. Since Lum has read the manga, um, and the anime is perceived that she was sent there to die. Like, this was already, this is their way of getting rid of her. And that's how I took it. Um, how was that portrayed in the manga? In the manga, the sense wasn't that she was sent there with the intent that they want to get rid of her. This was like a long con to justify getting rid of her. But it's just kind of the inevitable result is that Isabella 
like again she didn't know what kind of person crone would be when she came here but once she saw that crone was kind of actively trying to work against her to figure out a way to usurp her as the mom that's when she had it in the cards that okay if Krona gets out of line and I can't control her, then eventually I will just throw her under the bus and get her killed off. And Isabella and the grandma have a very close relationship. The grandma favors Isabella and she allows her certain perks and privileges. So that is why she's also willing to help her throw Krona under the bus. Yeah. So mm-hmm. moving along to Isabella, like I was saying earlier, we see her backstory we see that she had a love interest and he she she already knew what was going to happen when uh when he got taken you know what i'm saying uh or did she know or did she not know i can't remember if she knew or not did she know i don't think she knew at that point okay so she yeah she she found out after she got recruited that um that this is what happens that the kids they get eaten and whatnot and like that's why she kept on singing the song and then she ended up having ray um how did how did y'all feel seeing her backstory just like with sister crona starting with you lum um did you feel that it made her a much more interesting and scary figure or did you have sympathy for her because you saw what she had to go through and she was sad and she was hurt when she discovered that her lover uh, was eaten. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think she is a very sympathetic, tragic character. I think that's true of Krona, too. Really, all the moms and sisters in this system are also trapped and basically enslaved by the system. Like, they're not free. Like, they're stuck in the cycle of having to pull each other down, stab each other in the back in order to survive the longest. Isabella to join the system and her goal was just I want to live the longest I want to be like a human being that they can't eat and so that's just her struggle she's just struggling to survive she gave up on escaping when she saw the cliff when she was a kid in many ways she's a dark counterpart to Emma which is why I think she makes for a great antagonist she had a very similar personality to Emma when they were when she was a kid, she was pretty chipper and friendly and upbeat. And then when she saw the cold reality of the world, like that kind of broke her. And yeah. she resigned herself to just living in the system. And her way of resistance, which is implied in this in, through her interactions with the characters and what she says to them, is that, you know, she, even though she's going along with this farm system and shipping out these kids, like she's trying to give them as long of a life within the farm system as possible, which is why she has raised kids with a lot of intelligence. So because they are so intelligent, they'll live to the full 12 years before they're shipped out. And so Mm -hmm. she's a very complex figure. Like she does genuinely have compassion and love for these kids that she's raising, but she's also given up on there being any freedom for humans outside of the system. She's resigned herself to over being trapped in the system and is just trying to live as long a life as she can. And yeah, like she's a victim in all this too. What a breakdown. Look at that. Yeah. Crushed it. <laughs> Nailed it. I don't even got anything to add or say or nothing. That, that's um, it. Hey, thanks for sliding in the DMs, Trey. That's all yeah. I <laughs> Yeah, I want to pick up where Lama left off on that, guys. And I feel like uh, Isabella 
my prediction for her not reading the manga and stuff is that that she's going to use the actions of the kids once she sees them get free when nobody else could. And I think it's going to start to shed some light on her and help her kind of bounce back, not necessarily be the hero or anything, but I think she has the capacity to be a, a tragic hero, you know, somebody who's doomed, but um, has some sort of redeeming uh, factor towards the end of their story arc. And uh, that's what she reminds me of because she was happy for them when they got out. You know, she yeah, tells she Ray to go on lit. That's her son at the end of the day. And I think yeah. it's going to help wake her up in the long run. Yeah, because it's like she could have mm-hmm. easily captured Emma right there. Mm-hmm. And she let, she let Emma go. You know what I'm she saying? She also could have so, went with them, though. That's true, mm-hmm. too. But, but, but you got to think, if she would have went with them, then that would have meant that all of the kids at right. the farm, they would have been screwed. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. So, yeah. And it's like, and when, she also had the track, she also had like the little bomb tracker uh, in her chest. Mm-hmm. And so, if she yep. were to escape, they could just explode yep. that and she'd die. Yeah, that's a wrap. Yeah, I was, I was gonna bring up, uh, like what Lum had said about how, um, you know, she, she allows these kids to live out the full right. lives that they could live. And that's just one of the things. If she, if mother leaves, if Isabella leaves, then you're going to get somebody else in there and they're not going to do that. They're just going to, you know, like they're just going to do the job and then that's it. So, well, they kind of planted those seeds, right? The first episode, the little girl that gets sent off to get eaten, she's like, I may not have been as strong and as smart as everybody else, but I love you guys. So there's like the first clue. And Mm -hmm. also Isabella takes the drawing of her and the girl down off the wall. Yeah. You know, yeah. what she does with that, she probably keeps everybody's drawings in, like, a mm-hmm. keep-safe kind of box. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, there's a part of her that loves these kids, but at the end yeah. of the day, she can only do what she feels like she, she can do because yeah. she feels yeah, trapped. Yeah. But yep. this was my question. Yeah. Something that isn't covered yet. I don't know if it ever gets covered, but these higher-ups, like Grandma and all... Obviously, I feel like there's a whole organization of mm-hmm. humans selling other humans, right? Yeah. Do you think that's something that you can work up to being? Or is this <clears> like <throat> you're born into it like royalty? Where I, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Trav. No, nah, yeah, that's it. Like, you just I, think I, you're yeah, born yeah. into it. I was just going to say that I think that uh, this is something that you work up to. It's kind of like a job where... It's like okay, like grandma. Of course, she's at the top of the of the food chain, right? And so it's we like, think. I, I, it's like she was once a kid, then she became a mother, and I feel like that she was she was you know just as good or better than Isabella, and like that's the reason why she's at the top of the food chain. And then Isabella, who is considered like you know one of the top mothers. I feel like that Isabella could take grandma's spot, but we already know that's not going to happen because the only way that that spot would be available is if grandma dies. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that it's a family thing. I do think that it's a, a trust thing. I think that it's based off of how smart you are and how skilled you are. And it's like they have those kids take those tests for a reason because it's like some of the kids, they do end up making it out and some of the kids don't. That's one of the things that happens with Norman. Now, I know Lum knows, but we don't know. But I think that Norman is still alive. Um, I do think that he's going to come back some way, somehow, because it's like 
we didn't see him die. You know, with Connie, we saw her body. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's one thing that they always say in horror movies. <clears throat> Unless you see a body, that person isn't dead. So um, I'm wondering if we're going to see Norman come back. And uh, yeah, Trav, that was just me answering your question. I don't know, right. if, uh, D, if you wanted to have any rebuttal with that or Lum. Yeah, I with in regards to Grandma, I do think that is also a position that, much like Mom, you work your way up to. The reason I think uh, I think the season already implied this because grandma was mom back when Isabella was a kid. She was the mom of Gracefield and now she's become grandma. So it's a position you can work your way up to. Um, and I think in general, uh, when we go, when we consider like the farm system and then beyond that, I think Promise Neverland ha- is an interesting uh, look and analysis of these kind of oppressive systems and the hierarchies they create that are meant to keep people down, keep them in their place, and perpetuate uh, power imbalances and uh, poverty, discrimination, and all these things just to, you know, create this class caste system that creates, like, there's these elites on the top and there's people who are just struggling to survive at the bottom. And I think that's something that the series uh, continues to explore even beyond the Gracefield, but I think Gracefield is a good, like, encapsulation of that, too, especially when we look at the sister, mom, grandma pipeline and the fact that it's all about putting people against each other to compete to survive, mm-hmm. live the longest, and earn the most privileges and try and live the happiest life Well, when ultimately, no matter how much they work at it, no matter how many other people they drag down in order to rise to the top, they're still never going to be truly free at the top of this food chain. Like, they're all really competing just to still be oppressed by the people who are really holding the power. Yep. It's uh, it's it's kind of like with um, Ray, for example. He thought that he was going to always be there with mom because he was her spy. He thought that he was doing a good job being her servant and then she was just like hey it's time for you to go and he's just like well what do you mean like you know i've been helping you this entire time and mm. it's just like like you said they're all competing against each other they all have their roles and if ray was a girl then it's a possibility that he would have ended up becoming a mom you know the, what i'm saying because, have turned yeah so mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and we and we see that with Emma, you know, Emma, you know, mom, she tells Emma like, hey, you know, I, li- I like you. You're smart. You know, you always get high scores. Uh, you know, I-, I see how you play with the kids. And, you know, when y'all out there playing tag and then she's like, I want you. And, you know, I-, I like the dynamic there where it's just like, you know, Emma has this choice to either become a mother or help out her her brothers and sisters. And Emma, she made the right choice um, by doing that. So, um, D, finishing it up with you with the question that Trav had. What's your uh, opinion on that? I don't think it's something like, um, how much are you willing to give up to, you know, to stay alive? I mean, basically what it comes down to dog eat dog i mean i think that's the easiest way i could say it like i mean but you gotta think it's a very interesting uh pattern that they have because when they're telling them these things and when they they show them what's going on 
they're literally 12 years old. What what would you do? You know, like, right, yeah. hey, you want to go out there and get eaten by these demons or you, you want to stay here with us? And it's it's interesting. It's frightening. Um, but it's definitely dog eat dog, dude. Yeah. And it's it's something I can't wait to see more of as far as the grandma standpoint, because it's like she's willing to use Isabella. Basically, she liked her. But it's like, if she does too good of a job, you're coming for my job. Isn't that how it works? So right. what's, you know, what is it going to boil down to? It's going to get interesting. And I think it may come down to Isabella even double-crossing grandmother at one point. You know, just, I mean, to save the kids, maybe they show her that light she needs to see. She might become their inside man. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah, yeah I, I would like to see that, man. It's, you know, it's just crazy how... They had lost hope when uh, Norman, he climbed the wall and then saw that there was no way to right. get across. Mm-hmm. And it's like they had been doing all this training, this preparation and whatnot. And I'm happy that they didn't give up. I'm happy that they were able to find a way to escape. And, uh, you know, now with season two being out and we see the stuff that happens up there, I don't want to go into spoilers for anybody, but um, I'm happy that they made it, you know, and. I can't wait to see how this season is going to shape up. Like, there's new characters in it and whatnot, and Mm -hmm. the demons are chasing them, and I just want to see what's going to happen next. So um, unless anybody else has anything else that they want to say, you got one more thing, Trev? I need one more uh, nugget of wisdom from Lum. Go ahead. First season alone, how much of the manga is that? Mm -hmm. Where are we at manga-wise? So this, uh, the first season is approximately one-fifth of the manga. It's 37 chapters. The manga is 181 chapters. Okay. So we got plenty of story to still tell. Yeah. Yes. So the first episode of the second season adapted nine chapters, so it's a little faster paced right. than the first season. So it'll be interesting to see like how much they'll cover in this season and what it'll be a season beyond that. So, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, if the story will follow the same pace or they'll change it up a bit. So let me ask you something, because you said that um, the first episode of season two, it covered nine chapters. Is there way more exploring after they leave, uh, you know, the the farm or uh, because I mean, like that's nine chapters. That's pretty fast. And then for everything that they covered in that first episode, that's amazing that they were able to do that and just move it along so quickly. Yeah, I think there's a there's a little more exposition. Uh, just some things just take a little longer. They kept all the essential parts from those chapters, so I don't think any of the it suffered in pacing, but it did right. move faster than uh, I would have expected. I like the first episode. If it would follow the pacing of the first season, I think it would have been two episodes. Uh, but I think I understand why they wanted to like get all this forest exploring running from demon stuff just done in one episode to get to the ending where they meet the new characters who are very important right. so yeah okay well lum thank you for joining us on today's episode we're glad to have you up here travel oh, family you. yeah you're yeah, part of man. the family now yeah Trav. welcome to the fam <laughs> Trav, oh, thank you. you you're yeah, welcome Trav. i'm glad that you slid in the dms and uh, before we let you go, Lum, tell everybody in social media land where they can find you at. Yeah, you can find me at Lum Romy on Twitter. 
And wherever I'm at, I'm by that name, Animation Revelation Forums, Anilist, wherever there's a long running show, that's where you can find me. And yeah, you can check out the Manga Arts podcast again. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Manga underscore Mavericks, and we're on every podcast platform you can think of. Same thing for Lum Squad, Lum underscore Squad. That's also on every podcast platform you can think of. And uh, if you like, you know, I. My uh, profession, my trade is as an artist. I'm an illustrator, animator who I've done work for University of Minnesota and uh, Trey R. Diction Foundation, various clients uh, here in Minnesota. And if you want to check out my art, you can check out my Instagram, Asset Artworks. Nice. Hell nice. yeah. Thank you for joining us. And uh, yeah. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on, huh? What's up? I just want to say something real quick. Are you about to sing happy birthday to me? Happy birthday, bro. You ruined it. Hey. Uh, you ruined happy it. birthday. Hey. I ruined, ruined the surprise. <laughs> I always yeah. ruin surprises. Teasing. You got Damn it. Damn you, man. Scuba Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, hey, thank you, Trav. I appreciate that. I appreciate you and Lum saying happy birthday to me. D. D uh, said it. Yeah. I said but he did. But he didn't have a smile with it. He was just like, oh, happy birthday. D always got a smile. Well, come on, man. Ah, it's, it's it's like your birthday only come around once a year. Like, gee, I know, Look, but you talk dude. about it for six months of the year. So. <laughs> yeah, two of the two of the greatest voice actors wish him a happy birthday, and you thought that would be enough, Trav. It's it, here. I've noticed it's never enough. He gets people <laughs> buying video games for his birthday and Christmas. It's never enough. Hey, we need to do. Uh, it's, it's just like uh, that MTV show, My Super Sweet Sixteen. <laughs> oh yeah. God! Yeah, that's that's what I did. So, again, everybody, thank you for watching this episode. Make sure that you like and subscribe so that way that you can keep up with your boys. And we'll see you next time. Until then, pinkies up. So, guys, I'm happy that we all escaped from the promised Neverland. We brought Lum with us, and Lum, they escaped with us. So, again, Trav, thank you for sliding in the DMs and asking them to join us on today's episode. And, uh, yeah, it was a great birthday episode. I'm happy that this episode came out on my birthday. And, um, yeah. Yeah. How do y'all feel? Hey, I feel yeah, great. Yeah, I thought it was an amazing episode. Uh, what a guest to have on. Yeah, it's not... Like, we all watch a lot of anime, but I don't feel like any of us are, like... Like, Lum had a subscription to Shonen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like... We're not avid, avid manga readers, so it was cool to bring on somebody who has is like loyal to the manga, mm-hmm. had seen it. Now yeah. we can get a breakdown of the differences and what they changed yep. and all that stuff. Yep. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it's always it's always cool when uh, you know you do read the manga and you see the differences because I could say the same thing for when I was reading My Hero Academia. And right. when the anime came out, when they were doing the overhaul stuff, and like there were differences from, you know, both the manga and the anime, and like you know how they moved across them quickly, or if they gave stuff a little bit more time by adding in filler or whatnot. So, um, with that being said, thank you everybody for listening to the new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Um, Trav, tell everybody in social media land where they can find you at. You already know you can catch your boy at Instagram.com slash ZK Audio. Or you can uh, check me out on PlayStation Network at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-Z-K. Mm. And you can... Hey. 
And you can find me at Rebellious Double underscore D23 at Instagram.com. And you can find me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, at King Benji underscore Banks on Twitter and Instagram. And you can look me up on Facebook by typing in Benjamin Banks. And I should be the first person to pop up. If not, I need to contact Mr. Zuckerberg. Make sure that you follow all of the Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks social media accounts at Leveling Up Banks. And also give our YouTube a subscribe so that way you can check us out up there where we will have video interviews of our episodes. And if you're feeling generous and would love to donate to us, we have a Patreon at Leveling Up Banks. And I believe that that's it. I said everything, right, Trev? Hey, you said it already. I said it already. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening to the birthday episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. And as we go out... um. I had a couple of friends wish me happy birthday that uh, Trav is going to play after this uh, episode ends. That's right. That's right, guys. So, take it away, Trav. That's right. Today we are celebrating the birthday of the world's number one hero, Benjamin Banks. And I brought along some friends to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Benjamin Banks. I hope you have a good year this year. Hey, yo, Banks. What's up, man? This is Danny Hawkins, leaving a message to wish you a happy birthday, and also to congratulate you on the continuing success of the podcast. Uh, For anyone who may not know, I guested on the Batman Animated Series discussion episode, and I had an absolute blast. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get to chop it up again sometime. Again, happy birthday. Hope you have a great one, and keep going. Beyond Plus Ultra! Hey, it's your boy Oni here. Just wanted to wish Benjamin Banks a happy birthday, and I hope this year brings nothing but prosperity and growth your way. All right, man. Happy birthday. Hopefully you're not spending it, you know, watching scary movies and getting scared and running around throwing throwing me at a nun. Happy birthday, Banks. Yo, bro, uh, uh, my life is better with you in it. Uh, another year of Benjamin Banks is another year of a happy me. So uh, seriously, man, you're a great friend, a great a great buddy, and uh, the Roshi Island group is one of the best things that has happened to me. Hope you have a great day. Hope you have a wonderful birthday, man, and have an awesome, awesome year. So, Steve Finger Styles here, host of the podcast, just wanting to wish the man, the myth, the legend, one of the nicest people, one of the most down-to-earth people you meet, Benjamin Banks, a happy birthday. I'm sure you're going to be spending the day watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Banks, so I'll keep it short and sweet. All the best, brother. Can't wait to do another podcast with you guys, or vice versa, come on my show. It's been a blast knowing you for all these years. Remember, Pinky's up. Peace. Let me give a big, big, big old god dang on. <laughs> Birthday shout out to my dog, Big Ben. You doing what you doing, man. I know you're positive out here where everybody else is super negative. We need that, man. So keep being you, dog. Keep your six feet, Benjamin. What's up, Mr. Banks? Uh, I just wanted to say happy birthday, and that uh, I am incredibly proud of you. Uh, you just killing it on the journey that you're on right now, losing weight uh, with your podcast also. Like, you're just on top of it, bro. I'm proud of you. I'm just so happy. Keep being the star that you are. Keep shining, bro. Happy birthday, man. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Brandon, here, also known as KBI from the Southtown Boys. Want to wish Benjamin Banks a happy birthday. 
You're awesome, dude. Take it easy. Happy birthday, Benjamin Banks, from all of us here at Deep Lore. Congrats on surviving another year. Happy birthday, Ben. You're a real cool dude, and I'm glad I got to know you, and you're a great Dragon Ball brother in arms. Here's to you. Hi, this is Kyle Bear, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Z. Fight you? No. I want to kill you. Actually, I want to wish you, Benjamin Banks, a happy birthday. Super Saiyan style. All right, so we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for everybody that sent in birthday messages to the homie Benjamin Banks. And we will see you next week. Peace.